you got to follow your heart. Forget about the social schemes. Forget about the cultural layers and patterns and limits that we grew up into. But follow your passion, carve your path, and do what you love to do. Because again, you're not going to have to work another day in life if you do what you love. It's not work. You're just bettering yourself, and that gives you purpose. That gives you the strength to get up every morning, in my case, before dawn, to push your limits a little further, to grow a, a little more, to find out what you're actually capable of. So it's a process. When you, when you launch yourself into your passion, there are no limits to what you can achieve. Welcome to the Chasing Passion Podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Chasing Passion Podcast. In this podcast, I sit down with individuals from many walks of life who are following their passion and doing what they love while making a living from it. I believe that doing what you truly love to do is one of the greatest feelings one can have and it's our job to figure out what that is and the only way to do that is by exposing yourself to many different ideas and just trying different things and in this podcast that is exactly what I try to do I try to bring on guests from many different backgrounds and my job is to dissect and understand why they started how they started and the lessons they learned along the way this podcast is a tool It's a tool to expose yourself to many different careers, passions that exist, and maybe, just maybe, something resonates with you and it's something that you want to try yourself. Well, this week we are joined by a guest who is indeed chasing passion, and that guest is Mikel Graglia. Mikel has a super interesting story. So, he's originally from Italy and he quit law school and worked as a salesman in his father's floral export business. Due to the nature of the work, he was frequently visiting Miami, Florida. Well, in 2007, everything changed when he was scouted by a Miami-based modeling agency, and right there, he signed a two-year contract. He was now one of the most requested top models worldwide, living a lifestyle that most would consider an absolute dream. But deep down, this wasn't the path he wanted to take. Uh, He felt like he needed an escape. He wanted to find something deeper. In 2010, he came across the book Ultra Marathon Man by Dean Carnezes, and he was so inspired that six months later, he embarked on his first ultra, taking on a 100-mile race. He eventually competed, completely transitioned from modeling and became a full-time ultra runner. Over the years, he competed in many, many races, and here are just some of his accomplishments, otherwise we'll be here all day. So, he's a Guinness World Record holder. He's also the first person to win both the coldest and the hottest races on the planet, having won the Yukon Arctic Ultra in minus 40 degrees Celsius weather and the Badwater 135 in 54 degrees Celsius weather. And Badwater is actually considered to be the world's toughest ultramarathon. Ultramarathon. And he's done so, so much more. So definitely check him out. You can find Mikel on Instagram by searching Mickey Graglia. So that's just one word, Mickey Graglia. And just before we begin, do you mind leaving a short review on Apple Podcasts? And this will help the podcast grow in so many ways and just develop. And I would really, really appreciate the support. I've included the Apple Podcasts link in the episode description, or you can find it by searching Chasing Passion on Apple Podcasts. 
This will take less than 60 seconds and if you could leave your honest feedback in the form of a star or maybe a few short words, it would be super helpful. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Mikhail Graglia. Mickey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here yeah, huge, huge thank you for actually coming on. So I guess um, the first question I want to ask you is, you know, can you just provide some context behind your background, what you've done in the past, what you're currently doing? And yeah, just a little background, just to provide some context to the listeners. Absolutely. Well, my name is Michele Graglia. I'm, uh, I'm an Italian ultra runner. I was actually born and raised in Italy. Uh, and then um, in 2007, that's about when I was 24 years old, I decided to leave the country to move to the United States. Uh, at that time, after the, you know, you know, the studies, I actually studied law for, for a period of time, uh, but didn't find that, uh, you know, to be my calling. So I, I actually kind of worked in the family business, which was in the floral industry, uh, flowers and greens, uh, ornamental greens and stuff like that. Uh, started working in the family company for several years, you know, had the opportunity to travel the world, you know, connect with terrific people all over and for a while that was that was a great you know chapter of my life i actually enjoyed being part of the business and you know being uh, taking care of the sales different markets and so this after you know a few years in the company i i started um kind of establishing my myself my position in the in the united states hence the decide the decision to move overseas for a short period of time to perfect the you know the language and perhaps open up new possibilities, maybe even an open a branch overseas, who knows, you know, like just pick up new clients. And so, um, you know, first week I'm in Miami, uh, that was the main, one of our main uh, port of entries for our business. So I, I was there, I uh, was actually still crashing on a friend's couch, which was one of my clients, which uh, invited me to stay and to crash at his place for, you know, in the meantime, I was getting settled. And very first week I was strolling down Ocean Drive, I got caught by a quick rain dive in the first place that I find. And right there, there's this lady called Irene Marie, which was the director of the, one of the most important, uh, one of the most, most famous modern agencies uh, around. And she offered me a contract right there on the spot. And, uh, you know, right there, right that day, my life took a turn I could have never imagined. You know, found myself, um, you know, a, little, a young kid coming from, from a small town in the inland of Italy, finding myself in Miami, you know, started working at a great level, started traveling the world. Uh, just about uh, a year, year and a half after that, I decided to move. Um, I mean, work to pursue it, you know, to pursue that career at the highest level. And that's that's a pivotal point right there, you know, when I t- started to reach um, a decent uh, level of success, I was actually, dropping down on a very, uh, very deep personal crisis. You know, I just, um, I was, you know, I was, had the opportunity to explore that world and live all its, you know, facets, you know, and like all, you know, the the glamorous lifestyles that comes with it. And also its downsides, which of course you can imagine, you know, the, the type of lifestyle that you live, you know, the parties and the drinking and the drugs and, you know, it sounds fun, don't get me wrong. When you're young, it's, it's, it's good times. But then, you know, it came the realization that what I was doing just 
wasn't reflecting who I was. I just didn't like what was becoming in the process. And, you know, as odd as it may sound, you know, you can be, you can have as much, you know, success and financial stability and everything you want. But if you're not fulfilled, if you don't find purpose, I feel, you know, I just, I just couldn't have the desire to get out of bed and, and do something meaningful with my life. So I went through this long, um, relatively long uh, drifting time where I, I was still in the, in the Big Apple. I was still working at a, a great level. But again, I, my eyes, my, my focus was outside, you know, was looking for something that would, that would call me. I was looking for something that would give me some sort of, uh, of drive, you know, uh, bigger than myself in a way. And, uh, and all of a sudden, we're talking about Christmas time 2010. So just about shy of a decade ago, I stumbled upon this book of this ultra marathon, American ultra marathon runner. Uh, named Dean Karnazes and his words just spoke to me directly. Like I was, I was so um, drawn to his words and the meanings of them and what he was saying. You know, like um, we were coming from completely different walks of life, but I, we came to the same conclusion. And in a way, I was like, you know, I've always been drawn to adventure. I've always been drawn. I always loved running, although I, I haven't practiced since probably middle school or first year of high school. And so, you know, it was a, a leap in the dark, but, you know, it was like, if it worked for him and it probably might work for me. So I bought a pair of shoes, started running laps in Central Park, and here we are today sharing some stories. <laughs> I mean, wow, what an incredible story. I tried to squeeze it together. <laughs> yeah. So you, you arrived um, to Miami at the age of 24 and you were, just scouted, right. you were just scouted by this modeling agency and then your life just took off on the modeling world. And how long did you spend in the, in the whole modeling industry? Well, that was about five to six years because, um, you know, even when I started running, of course, you know, that was my job, you know, that was my career. So I, I was still working, modeling, uh, you know, traveling, but my desire was already, you know, my, my, it was a turning point, or I would say 2011 was a turning point. And then at the end of 2013, that so we're talking about about five and a half, six years after I started, I decided to leave modeling completely to focus entirely on this new, new path. Hmm. And yeah, I'm going to definitely touch on that. But before we do, I'd love to ask you, what were you like as a kid? And um, what were you naturally curious about? What were you naturally interested by? Because I've, I've this belief that, you know, as children, we tend to be, we tend to gravitate towards the things that we are naturally born to do. And, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're in a way you can say you're born to run. And so I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just curious to know, like, what were you like as a child? And what were you interested by? What were you curious about? Yeah, just, yeah. just some context behind there. Well, I was I was very much an outdoor kid, mm -hmm. and that's that's a, that that relates exactly with you know with what you're saying, because you know right from a very young age, deep passion for nature and the outdoors and being active into the outdoors. Uh, you know, I always, I always have a sense of gratitude towards my family. Uh, you know, both my sister and I, age, we got the opportunity to hike the Dolomites in the summer to ski the Alps in the winter. You know, we live right on the Mediterranean coast. So, you know, going to the beach, spend long days out with friends, biking around, you know, building tree houses and playing in the river, you know, exploring the little high. 
in there. So I was always very active and always loved time outside. And so, you know, in a way, when I found myself in that, even if it's a golden, I kind of felt that desire to to bring, you know, to bring my focus outside, to be to be in nature, you know, to, to feel that connection. Because unfortunately, living in the city, I felt very disconnected from the world and from myself, which of course, you know, it comes down to that ultimately. And uh, and so ultra running in a way gave me the opportunity to retrace back to, to that passion and kind of go back to my roots and enjoy myself and enjoy the, 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 the spaces around me and being able to move freely into space. It's on your own two feet. It's just, it's so primordial. You know, it brings us back to to our promote primordial selves, and there's there's something deeper behind it, something that make us feel free, make us feel the most alive. And this is, I think, a cre- you know, the numbers speak for themselves. You know, the numbers of of people running marathons, approaching trail running, ultra marathon, are growing exponentially. So that's not, you know, it's not it's not a coincidence. Mm. And so, and um, you know. If you go back to your very, very first ultra, ultra, ultra marathon, um, how did you yep. feel when you were doing it? How, like, what, what, what was it like? Because that was like the first, you know, your first big race after this modeling, after this whole modeling world. Um, how, how did yep. it feel when you were running your first race? Well, <laughs> man, I gotta tell you, the first race was uh, was quite, quite an experience, quite a memorable experience. I gotta say. Um, so I, I, I read this book right, mm-hmm. Christmas time, two thousand and ten. Beginning of 2011, start running, and I'm like, I love running, but I, I'm very much fascinated by this contrast concept of, of ultra going beyond, right? So what it is beyond the physical, beyond the running, and so I'm like, I wanna, I wanna be part of it. I wanna understand what it is. So I signed out to my first race, which was a hundred miler, 160 kilometers, right off the bat. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> last time I ran a race was like. Like first year of high school, I was like 14 years old, and then fast forward to like 27 at that point. Wow! And uh, I mean, I, it, it was I was driven by a great sense of curiosity. I gotta say, like curiosity to find out for myself what what it was. And so you know, I, I just there was a great great anticipation, great um, you know, great desire to venture into the unknown if you if you will you know and so i just showed up with a bottle in hand short 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 shorts and i'm like let's do this <laughs> uh little did i know is that ultra running is just not physical clearly you know there's a there's a lot of layers to it it's it's very much like a like a like a fine art there's so many little things that come into play and you know of course the physical preconditioning the body to run for so many hours is of course key but again, I started to realize only after how important the meditation, the you know, creating a psychological, safe, undisturbed, unattached mental space. How important that is. So I'll get to that. In, you know, I'll get to that later. But you know, along with that, also the nutrition, the hydration, the the the, the whole like so many structure going to play that can make it or break it. Okay, and so I definitely had no experience on that level, and I just pushed as hard as I could. I got to mile 84, which is about 
roughly 140 kilometers into the race. So I was about half a marathon shy and I just passed out. I just collapsed on the ground. I woke up on an ambulance with my family, which came from Italy to crew for me because this race was in Florida actually. And uh, I wake up in an ambulance there outside crying, my mom begging me to never do it again. And you know, of course this is how it all started. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely crazy. And that was your first race, you passing out. That's 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 unbelievable. And yeah. you know, um I'm very curious. So you said you were kind of unfulfilled um during your modeling career, uh, which you know lasted five, six years. Um and then you suddenly came across this book and you decided to give ultra running a go. So I guess like what how what was the decision process for you to step away from this, you know, lucrative, um, high paying, well well-established career of modeling to ultra running yeah. and like completely just dismissing everything. Um, what was the decision process there and how did you feel when you made that decision? Well, you know, as you can imagine, I mean, changes are always difficult, mm. um, you know, but um, as we all know, it's, it's a necessary part of the evolution. And I see that as a personal evolution. I just wasn't happy with what I was doing, what I was becoming. And I knew that I had to do something. So it was almost like a calling, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to explain. It's very hard to say, but for whatever reason, from day one, I'm like, this is it. It was clear. You know, I'm like, I'm not a runner, but I can become a runner, mm. you know, and this is what that Dean Karnas is inspired me to do. He was, he was not a runner. He was a famous, he was a successful businessman, 30 years old. So not even that young, 30 years old. He has like the midlife crisis. Uh, sorry, not even that old, but, you know, he had a midlife crisis. And I, I was 27 years old when I read that book. And I'm like, I'm relating exactly to every single word you're saying. And so it was like, you know, he opened up my eyes to a world I didn't even know. But for some reason, that unknown was was very clear. I don't know. He, he had a calling. I was pushed. To, I was pulled towards it. Mm-hmm. You know, there was like a, a natural pull. And and to me it was just exploring myself, exploring my 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 limits, my my possibilities, uh, to find out that ultimately if you put your focus, this is very much with you know it came along with with my newfound American mentality, let's call it that way, right? So like, do the best you can, you know, work as hard as you can, and eventually you will succeed. And I believed it, and I put it to work. And so, you know, a couple of years later, I was fortunate enough to to sign my first contract and become a professional runner right there. So in 2015, actually, so started running 2011, 20, at the end of 2013, I stopped modeling. I had a couple of years of transitioning and at the beginning of 2015, I signed my first contract. And from then, you know, it's been an escalation and it's been a constant, you know, stepping up to a higher level where you can ultimately you know, live off of, of your passion, which it's just a great blessing. Yeah, and I, I love what you mentioned there. So I'm, I'm very curious, um, how did your whole transition look like, you know, from the very beginning, uh, from the very beginning of your career to where you are now? Like, what are the steps you took to get to where you are now? Just for someone oh, who perhaps wants to follow a similar passion, you know? Oh, man, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was really hard. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard because you also have to make a living. And, you know, as long, you know, of course, yeah. You can have, you, we all have passions and stuff, but then we have to, you know, to look reality in the face and be like, okay, I got bills to pay. I got this and this and this. 
uh, yeah, running is great, but still not paying enough. So um, you got to believe. Uh, that's that's to me the ultimate thing: believing yourself, believing your vision, and and work as hard as you can towards it. And in a way or another, I mean, like, you know, when I left the modeling world, there was a lot of uh, uncertainty because, as you said before, you know, I left a lucrative, successful career to jump on this on this journey into the unknown, if you will, because, you know, again, running, we all know it's not a rich sport, let alone ultra running. Uh, back then, it was barely known. I mean, like right now, we're talking a decade later, the sport is growing, the, you know, sponsorships are pouring in. There's definitely more, you know, more attention to the sport. There's more interest. There's more value. And so it's easier. But back then, you know, and I'm talking a decade ago, uh, only a decade ago, but it was a completely different different industry, a completely different world. And so I really, I don't know, for some reason, I'm like, I want to do this and I'll find a way. You know what I mean? I'm like, I had no structure. I have no know-how. I had no, um, you know, guidance at all. So I, I just, in a way, in a way I enjoy, I very much enjoy that struggling process. <laughs> But, um, you know, it, it, because it, it was a process of self-discovery, of self-growth. And, uh, and I think that's, that's very, very exciting in a way. You know, you, it was a constant, you know, reading, watching, studying, trying on myself all different tactics and training methods and approaches and to find out what worked the best for me. And so in a way, you know, it's, it, it was very much an evolutionary process. I started off no knowing where he would have brought me. And as of right now, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, take, picking up momentum and living the life that I envisioned. But I know for a fact that I have not reached the, you know, the, the highest point. So that's, again, you know, it's almost like a climb. You got to earn your views. So you got to work hard to climb up. And when you're up, then you can turn around and see, you know, have yourself on the shoulder and congratulate yourself for the hard work done and enjoy what, what you did. So, you know, it, it's very rewarding in many ways. But again, the process to do it, it doesn't make any sense. But if it makes sense to you, then go out and do it. Believe in yourself and work hard and eventually you'll find a way. Whether there is or not, you can carve your way. You can be a trailblazer in your own path. Yeah, and I love what you said with the struggle because you enjoy struggle. You, you you sound like a person you you know you enjoy struggle. You enjoy you enjoy <laughs> self discovery, and I absolutely love that because I think in every single career there's always something that is difficult to do, and you have to you have to enjoy these things in order to become successful at it. So I'm just curious, to know like um how like what is it about ultra running that you just love is it the whole nature aspect of things is the whole you know challenge yourself self-discovery like what is it about ultra running that you absolutely love well ultimately is 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 self-discovery it's like it's like inner exploration the new exploration for our generation is is going inside so it's almost like a switch exploring our potential explore our limits explore what we are truly capable of. You know, we grow in a society where there are certain limits that are already set and nobody challenged them. You know, we are very much, we, we, we tend to accept the reality which we're, we're, we're presented with. And so we don't challenge that. We don't challenge the status quo. That, this, this applies to anything, not just running, of course. But, you know, speaking of running, 
you know, I grew up in, a, in, in, in Europe, I grew up in Italy. I grew up with that, you know, Greek mythology uh, studies and, you know, the whole thing that comes with it. And, you know, we all know about that poor Greek uh, guy which ran for marathon. Philippides represents a great story, but for a very long period of time, he kind of set us in, put us in a box because we always thought, okay, if we go past that, we die. So this is the limit. But hey, then I read a book that tells me that I can run four times as much, eight times as much, 10 times as much, infinite times as much. Okay, now this is fascinating. Now I want to be part of it. I want to see for myself what this is about. And so to me, you know, it comes very much with self-exploration and of course the opportunity, as I said before, to do, to to act freely because, you know, there's nothing more free than moving on your own two feet. You know, there's nothing else. It's unadorned. You don't need any tools. You don't need any, you know, even a bike. Biking is great, but again, you don't need, you don't need a tool. You don't need nothing. You're just yourself out there. Take off your shirt, feel the air, you feel the sun, you connect with nature. And this is another great thing, you know, the, the reconnecting with nature opens up the mind opens up the spirit to a higher level of of connection of awareness of of consciousness even um for for whatever reason this is kind of what drew me to to embark even in these bigger challenges of crossing deserts there is something so powerful when you allow yourself to just be there and feel the place you feel a connection with everything that connect that, that is around you, with the environment that you're in, and that kind of distills down to a deep connection with you. And once you allow yourself to open up that realm, you realize that everything is connected. So you feel a peace and harmony everywhere around you. So it's 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 deeper. To me, it's like moving meditation in a way. So you explore your spiritual realm. And that opens up the whole world around you. So I feel a great connection with the world. I feel a great connection with anyone I meet, with the people. Just because, you know, in a way, we take away all the barriers, the cultural barriers, the schemes, the, the social schemes that we are in, in a way presented with once when, when we're born. You know, when we're born, we're all free. But then, you know, wherever you grow up, you know, you accept the religion, you accept the social uh, behaviors and all of these things. But those are not the real. Those are not real. Those are just man-made. You know, those are just conceptions that we created. They're not the ultimate reality of what we, of, of the world, of the universe. And I, let me know if I'm going, if I'm going off track, but this is, this is really what... No, no, keep going. This is super yeah. interesting. Okay. <laughs> And so, you know, once you once you strip down uh, from all of those concepts, preconceptions, then you allow yourself to be fully free and act freely. And, and that's amazing because you you understand that you relate. You can relate to anyone in the world and you can relate to a tree and you can relate to the sand. And you can relate to anything. You, you, you feel part of it. And to me, there's something so meaningful behind it because. It completely switched my perspective. You know, I wanted to be, instead of being a, a user, a destroyer of this planet, I want to be a protector of it. Why? Because we are it. Yeah, I 
absolutely love what you said and you so you said we're born free but then you know we get programmed by society by religion and we yeah. just stop we just stop being ourselves and yeah. you know I, I can only assume you've read The Power of Now and all these great books. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. So, but I'm, I'm very curious. I'm like, what helps you maintain this? What may, what helps you maintain such a mindset? And do you have any routines or do you practice meditation? Um, what helps yes. you, you know, ground yourself to such a oneness with the universe? Well, um, of course, you know, as, as everything, um, I have now mastered it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's something that, you know, it's almost yeah. like you, know, you get a taste of it and you, the more you do it, the more you understand it. Um, you know, through running, I, of course, I started stretching. This we're talking about, like, you know, at the very beginning, the, the early years of, of my running career. So, you know, through stretching, then I started approaching yoga. And, and through yoga, I discovered meditation. Once I discovered meditation, I understood how important it was to bring those two worlds together because again you know we talk we often talk about there's a funny saying in ultra running that says 90 percent is mental and the remaining 10 percent is all in your head so that, <laughs> that kind of explains what the mental battle is how the mental battle is important in this in this discipline and so to me um having a practice like meditation that would allow me to transcend the physical self and explore my, my, my mental and spiritual realm will allow me to kind of, you know, what meditation is about, you know, kind of clearing up the head, you know, detaching the mind from the, you know, the, the worries of the past, the, con the concern for the future, just being in the present, being in now. You mentioned the power of now. And this is very much about presence, being fully present in every, in each moment. And this applied, you know, this applied applies very much to ultra running. You know, if you're to give an example, you know, there's a lot of ultra running races are like roller coasters. You have a, a, a thousands of highs and lows, you know, like moments where you feel like a champion moments where you're like crawling on the ground and you're like, I hate this. Why am I doing it? You know, you question yourself. So the idea is kind of creating a, a, a safe, I often say safe place, but it's more, I would say, uh, unattached, um, like undisturbed, okay? Undisturbed by your own thoughts because it's always the thoughts that uh, bring us to failure. It's always the thought of, or the fear of failure, the thought of not being able to make it. That's when we start losing, uh, when, that's when we start losing faith in ourselves and we, and we give up. So that the idea is to create a safe space undisturbed unattached where you are even you're just acting you're just doing what you need to do there's no questioning there's no double thought there's no uh concern there's no fear and so this is what truly allowed me to to bring that meditation aspect into ultra running and make it successful because again talking about those highs and lows imagine being um, I'll give you an example, like a race like Bad Water, right? It's like a race run in the Death Valley, 50 plus degrees Celsius, um, um, yeah, Celsius, um, 217 kilometers. You get to, let's say, 130 kilometers into the race and you're completely destroyed. Your legs are tired. You're heavy. You're like the body's screaming in pain. Everything tells you to stop. What happens there? 
I have another, you think, oh, I have another 90 kilometers plus to go. I'm never going to make it. That's when you start doubting yourself. So bringing the focus in the present moment allows you to cut out all those fears and doubts and to act freely and focused on that specific moment. And so, you know, if that, that moment is one step and the next is another step, every single moment you do your, the best you can, eventually you reach the finish line. Wow, that's such a good way of putting it. So like when you're running a race, you are just focused one step at a time, living the moment. You're not having this you, these thoughts of, you know, I need to quit or whatever. You just keep grounding yourself to <clears throat> being. Well, yeah, that's but you know that's not as automatic as it sounds. Yeah, because of course you know there there I, I have dropped out of races because I started doubting myself, uh, or you know there was like some nagging pain and I was like, this is you know what's gonna happen after the race? Am I gonna be suffering for a long period of time? So questioning also the you know trying to, tr it's a constant work in progress. It's not something you master and done. You know. It's almost like physical practice. You can be in a great shape, but then if you don't keep practicing, you're going to lose your fitness. And the same thing is with the mind. It's a constant process of practice. Practice, practice, practice brings you to... Perfection is unattainable, but you know what I mean. Close to that ideal space. And once you reach that, then you're golden. Then you can, you, then you can face any challenge in your life. And this, this transcends sports. You know, this is an attitude. This is a perspective. This is a practice that you can that you can apply to any endeavor in life, whether it's career, uh, relationships, even, and anything else in between. Yeah, and I would love to touch on this. You know, mental practice. So, what yeah. do you do? Like, what should people do to have this mental resilience? To have this mental strength and um, what, what what helped you to you know get this you know process because you said it's process you know it takes yeah. time to get this yeah. so what, what what was your process to be so mentally strong well i do two different practice movement and stillness right so the movement of course is through training conditioning conditioning growing gradually um you know reaching while you are conditioning the body as you go longer and longer in training runs you also condition the mind. Mm. You get used to staying out there for so many hours. You get used to dealing with certain pains. You also understand the fluctuations of the pain because pain is not something comes in and stays. You might feel bad in one moment. And then if you keep pushing through, it's almost like breaking through a barrier, breaking through a wall. Then you come out and then you feel fresh. Then you can keep going. Then you understand you have another down. Then you just, you know, it's almost like enjoying. It's very much like a metaphor of life. Buckling up, and finding your strength where you are the, when you're down and enjoying the high enjoying the highs enjoy the the moments where you're feeling great so again this is a metaphor of life you know understanding that it's not a flat line but there's moments where it's hard there's moments where it's great and the moment that it's hard you have the hope the the faith that it's going to get better and the moment that it's hard you appreciate the moment that it's great you enjoy it even more because you know what you went through before and you kind of know that harder times are going to come and so enjoy that moment till you have it you know we can grasp it we can keep it we cannot freeze it in time so enjoy it for the time that you have it and so this is a great practice again that transcends the sport but um when it comes to to actual 
mental practice, still meditation is still my favorite practice. Just sitting. Um, I don't do necessarily that every day, um, uh, depending, of course, on the schedule. But it's something that I try to practice at least, you know, a few times a week. Try to keep a consistent, uh, perhaps either in the morning when I wake up. And I don't need much, you know, like 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes stops. You know, just uh, even at the end of a run, after I finish stretching, just sitting in place and just kind of, you know, closing the eyes and feeling, feeling yourself, feeling your emotions, processing your emotions, processing your thoughts. Because, again, a lot of times, like, we are clustered, you know, we are clustered by thoughts that come in and out. And, like, you know, people that start meditation, it's like, oh, it's not for me. Well, it's just like anything else. You know, you can't pretend to, you know, to start any discipline, any practice, and be good at it the first time you do it. Mm. You're going to get a taste, but it's about the hundreds or thousands of times that you do it, that you kind of understand what it is about. And and so the, the, the practice of stillness, the practice of just being in place and, and being content is it really opens up in a whole new realm of understanding of yourself and how you process your thoughts. So it also allows you to, because thoughts are always going to come in, mm. even if you're a well-seasoned, you know, meditator or yoga mm. or yogi, but it's about, okay, I'm just witnessing it. And this is what something that uh, Eckhart Tolle in The Power Now explains really well. Yeah, of course, you know, we all have that. All you have to do is kind of step back and understand that you are not this, you, there's something higher, okay, there's something deeper. And, and so you're just the witness. This is just a machine. Everything else is, you know, how you drive it. That makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely love what you said. And also just to touch on meditation, you know, when people say meditation is not for me, usually when you sit down, you're going to see your mind just wandering to different places. I know that was the experience for me. But then when you think about it, that's what you're like every single moment of your time, of, of your day. Yep. You just don't realize it. But when you sit down, yep. you actually get to see your mind. You get to see how it works. <laughs> that's crazy you're like you know? it's like <laughs> racing cars yeah so i think i think everyone should at least give it a try and see see how it is and yeah like you said it's not going to be easy but like it's a process yeah absolutely and you you you're the first person to win the coldest and the hottest races on the planet which is which is a huge Correct. achievement and you know you. um what made you decide to do that from go from one extreme to the other or was that just like a goal you always had? Well, again, you know, it's it's always been about um, personal exploration, but again, uh, also exploration of the world. Because, yeah, those places have been explored, but I have not been there. So I wanted to test it on my, on my skin to see what it meant to be in those type of extreme environments. I've always been drawn to, to extreme places, uh, whether it's mountains or deserts or, you know, polar regions. Um, I've always found a great fascination for, for, for explorers, for adventurers. And so to me, it was almost like at the end of 2015, uh, you know, I've had a few years of experience. I raced, you know, in different parts of the world. I, you know, I had my fair share of successes already. And um, as you get to the end of 2015, I'm like, you know what? I want to step it up. I want to do something that has never been done. I want to do something that is going to bring me way out of my comfort zone. And I want to tread in that territory for a while and see how it feels. Mm. And so uh, beginning of, yeah, end of 2015, beginning of 2016, 
I, I decided to embark on this on this journey, on this project of running the coldest and the, uh, and the hottest race on the planet in the same year. So on February 2016, I towed the line of the Yukon Arctic Ultra, which is uh, a hundred mile race run in the northern um, territory of Canada, right by the Arctic Circle. Um, temperatures reaching 40 below. And it was a, it was the adventure of a lifetime. It was only 100 miles, but imagine pulling. We had we had a harness. We had to pull a sled with all the mandatory equipment and safety gear because it was a, a semi-self-supported race. What that means is, you know, in most of the, these races that I do, you have checkpoints or live stations every, let's say, four, five, six miles, right? In this race, you basically had a start, one checkpoint in the middle, and the end. So for like tens of miles, you were completely absorbed and lost into this wilderness, this deep, deep wilderness. I ran into wolves in the middle of the night, uh, frozen cornea, uh, 18, 20 hours of darkness out of the 24 hours day, uh, the aurora borealis, uh, experiencing all these things, experience, pushing through the, the, the night, the, the death of the cold and, the, you know, finding myself out there was perhaps the most powerful experience I've ever had. And I tell you why, because even in races as extreme as bad water, where there's extreme temperatures, extremely hard on the physical level, but you always have like a, it's almost like being in a pool. I always make this example, you know, you always have the side where in a moment or not, you know, when a moment of challenge of, of despair or whatever, you can always latch on to the side and you're safe. Out there, you had to be fully self-reliable. Uh, um, like you can only rely on yourself. Mm. That's what I mean. Sorry. And, um, and, and that is so powerful because at every given moment, you have your life in your hands. Every decision you make, is life or death. And and I tell you how dangerous it could be. 12 months after I did it, so the following year, an Italian runner went there because the, the previous year I ran and I won it. So an Italian runner was inspired by that. Mm. He went and, uh, you know, it's a guy that I knew. And, uh, you know, sadly enough, he got caught by severe hypothermia and he was rescued 17 hours after he sent the SOS. And um, long story short, he was barely, he was basically frozen to death. They saved him by a thread and uh, he lost both arms and both legs. Oh my God. Yeah. So, you know, this gives me chills right now. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is the type of, you know, this is the type of adventure I was drawn to. I know it sounds crazy, <laughs> but being able to confront yourself and put yourself in those situations, oddly enough, that's where I felt the most alive. You know, every time I'm going to run for a maybe 5K or 10K run, <laughs> I'm just going to think of you and I'm like... Dom, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> look, look at this guy running in, in the in the Antarctica, and here I am running the 5K. So, 
Yeah. No, no, no. I'll have you in uh, mind. You know, there's no, there's no talking down <laughs> to any distance. There's great respect from 5Ks to 10Ks, half marathon, marathons, and everything in between. So every every distance has its challenges. But this is, you know, the Yukon or the Red Water are like adventures that mm. transcend just the physical um, race, let's say that. You know, it's not just about running as fast as you can, but it's about facing those harsh conditions those harsh environments like kind of taking on and facing nature so there you know once you witness this the extremes even there there's something meaningful and powerful yeah there's there's a connection there and so everything that happens in between is just special so when you were running, when you were there in the middle of a race, um, how do you feel? What do you what do you say to yourself? Are you just super happy to be in nature? Here I am <laughs> running in nature, happy me. Like what do you think about it? Because I just I just see myself running in these in in, in such a race, and I'm be like I'll be miserable. I'm like get me out of here as quick, <laughs> as, quick as possible. So like, how do you? Let's get it done. <laughs> yeah. What do you well, say to yourself? <laughs> well, that's you know that's that's a switch in perspective. Mm-hmm. Not wanting to be done right away. Because, of course, you know, like, okay, let's start from this. I think the first thing you need, I, I nurture for myself when I go into this type of adventures is nurturing gratitude and, and patience. Gratitude for the possibility to be there, for the opportunity to be there. So I'm doing this because this is what I love. I have, I have a great sense of gratitude to, have, to be healthy and to be able to be experiencing this life to this extent. So there's already a great positive feeling right there. And then patience. You, got, you have to nurture patience because once you start a race, you cannot be thinking about the finish line. Again, this brings you in the moment. My mantra going into most, most of these uh, adventures, races, whatever we want to call it, mm. is right here, right now. As simple as that, right here, right now. The moment you start overthinking, I'm like, okay, what's going to happen in 20 miles? What's going to happen when I get to the checkpoint? Oh, I can't wait to get to the finish line. No, no, no. no. Cancel all of that. Bring Mm. it right here, right now. Mm. This is all I can control. This is all I can do. This is all I can focus on. I cannot control what's going to happen. I cannot control what's been. I can only control right now. So gratitude, patience, mindfulness, and presence. That makes sense. So did you feel gratitude, presence, and patience when you met the wolf? <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> man, uh, oh man. I mean, that was that was like the most <laughs> cathartic <laughs> experience of my life. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I ran into already a bunch of different animals. Like, I mean, like I, I swam with sharks in Hawaii. I, I live in California. You know, when I run on the trails here, it's not uncommon to leap over rattlesnakes and find coyotes on the trails. I wow. even ran into mountain lions, cougars. Um, I even faced bears out here several times, not just once. Wow. But, yeah, but, and, and I'm talking about very close encounters, okay? Like, you're up in the mountains, on the trails, you turn a corner, you see this, these giant animals in the middle of, the, of your path. It's quite powerful. I got to tell you that. And fortunately, uh, still alive. Everything went well. I never had any confrontation. 
uh, I've always been, you know, very respectful, you know? And I think that's what an animal is very much, uh, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a relationship that you create in those moments and you either, uh, you know, a threat or if you're respectful, you mind your ground, usually you should be safe. Mm. Not saying this is a formula, but it has worked so far for me. But when I met the wolves, that's that's beyond everything. Because, like, again, you know, I was out there in the middle of nowhere. I've been running for, like, probably 10, 12, 14 hours already, uh, you know, threading, to, threading through, uh, through deep snow and frozen lakes and frozen rivers, no soul in sight. Because, uh, again, I pulled away from the from the rest. I, I, you know, I won that race, and I pulled away early. So I, I basically ran the whole race from mile one by myself. Wow. And so, you know, imagine being out there in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. It's been dark for, like, 14 hours already, and there's no no sight of, of sunrise yet. And, you know, the whole world evolves around the being the cone of light that comes out of your forehead you know and i'm i'm there just you know just pushing through pulling the sled the only sound that you hear is the cracking of the footsteps on the snow and then all of a sudden i i see these and i'm like a couple of like shadows crossing the trail like just meters ahead of me and i'm like hmm and i keep pushing and then all of a sudden there's a third presence that comes into in, on the stage and this time he stops right in the middle of the trail right in front of me and I stopped and the sled hit me in the on the, in my heels and I'm like like you see this majestic furry animal with this big tail turns around looks at me straight ahead and of course you know the light reflecting this huge yellow eyes I'm like Oh, oh, this is it. Oh, exactly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, it's like those moments that last a lifetime, literally. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how they're going to, how it's going to react. Um, what, how am I going to, how am I going to act? What am I going to do? Um, you know, we were all asked to bring like pepper sprays and knives and whatever, but I had everything to slide. So I had, it served no purpose. Yeah. And so I was like, I did the same thing I did with the other ones. You know, I was like, you know, I'm not raising my, I'm not coming to you. I'm just like, you know, I'm here on my path. I'm not here to interfere. I just want to, I just want to pass just as much as you are. And so, you know, those, those are like, there was like a deep connection right there. And just a moment or two after Boom! He just took off and went on his path, and same thing for me. I just started running again. The next K was probably the fastest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I probably set, I probably set a personal best right there. And um, but you know, like the anxiety, the level of stress that creates in that moment. Because again, you're you're out there by yourself. What if that guy went to call his other two friends and? Uh, you know, follow my tracks and call me while running, you know, I had no chances. I would have had no chances. And so, you know, for miles and miles, I was like constantly just looking behind my shoulders, you know, every crack. I was like, okay, what's going on? Uh, So that's, that was probably the most powerful experience I've ever had. 
Yeah, I don't know what I would do in that situation. That would be very scary. Um, so, you know, you've done all these races. Like, you've done crazy races. Um, like, what what would you say was the most difficult race out of them all? Would you say it was that one, running in the Antarctic? Um, what was the hardest race well, for you? Well, I got to say, this was probably, the Yukon was probably the most uh, dangerous. Mm-hmm. But it, when, we, when it comes down to being to which one was the toughest, I'll definitely have to go with bad water. So six months after this experience at minus 40, I found myself in Badwater Basin running the hottest race on earth, which is the Badwater 135, 135 miles, 270 kilometers through Death Valley, which is the hottest place on earth. And of course, when do you think this race is? Right in the middle of the summer, right in the heart of July. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, I was... I, you know, I went in, I, I had experience in bad water before because I crewed for a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew uh, the type of challenge, but, you know, actually being out there and run the whole thing was 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 grueling. Uh, you know, the body goes through so much uh, stress, so much effort that you really transcend every understanding of the physiology. You know, you really transcend to like you reach a higher level of understanding of our physical capacities uh, because you know there comes times in Death Valley where tourists are, are they cannot even get out of the car this is how hot it is that you get out of the car you get dehydrated like a fish out of water your eyes burn your nose burn uh, it's a temperature that it's hard to to explain you can cook eggs on the ground you know what I mean it's like it's like hell <laughs> it's a beautiful house. And and so, you know, I, I went there, um, you know, with high hopes, with great, ex- I wouldn't say expectations, but again, you know, I had, I put in the work and I, and I was pulled by that desire of, of being the first one to do the coldest and the hottest and, and in a successful way, because there's been people that have tackled the, those challenges, but nobody has ever won both. And so, you know, I came off the win in the Yukon and I'm like, okay, I want to go there and do well. I put in training, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, like in in any adventure, um, the adventure begins when when shit goes wrong. Pardon my French. But, (laughs) you know, it's like you got to you got to be you got to be you got to think quickly. You got to be you got to be ready to address whatever problems arises. So. What happens in that first, in that bad water in 2016, um, the summer of 2016, I, my team kind of lost me for, for almost an hour, mm. uh, right in the very early stages. And so what happens there, you know, I kind of dug a hole, uh, right, you know, first 20, 30 miles. Uh, I was severely dehydrated, cramping up, you know, lots of issues, GI problems, you know, mind, mind hallucinating, the body was already trashed. Um, you know, finally they found me, I was able to regather for a little bit, but again, you know, when you're ready at that state, 20 miles into the race, knowing you have another 110 miles and we're talking about 180 kilometers to go and you're already trashed. That's, that's a daunting thought. Right. And so, but you know, again, I was like, I was so drawn to that. I was so pulled by the desire of finishing that. I went through everything. I started peeing blood. My kidneys were crying. I I fainted several times, but I always I always got up 
in Katushin. I literally crawled across the finish line and I brought that, you know, that vision, that dream to, to the realization. Was that the realization, the actualization of the dream that I wanted? Because mm. I, I finished in 25th place, which wasn't bad, but it wasn't what I, what I wanted, what I was, what I set out to do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I needed to kind of regather my strength and reset a little bit. So in 2018, I went back to Badwater and with the right team, with the right planning, with the right, you know, execution, I'm very blessed and, you know, happy to say that we actually won bad water. And so, wow, you know, that was the crowning of a, of a huge dream of mine. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And like, what, what do you think makes you successful in ultra running compared to other runners? Um, what, what makes you stand out? <clears throat> well, I think like, you know, practicing resilience at any level and, and resilience comes, resilience comes very much with different layers of it. Um, one, that I learned right there in this, that experience, you know, that actually could apply from my very first race to my bad water mm. experience. And all of that is, you know, learning from failures and accepting failures. So like, you know, none is because you don't succeed at first. It doesn't mean you are a failure because this is what happens often. You know, like we do something it doesn't go well. It's like, okay, this is not for me. I'll do something else. There again, we lose faith. We don't, try again we don't push ourselves we don't grow we don't expand our limits we don't expand our boundaries our our, you know everything around us so i think the very first the key lesson is accepting obstacle and learning from failures so again it's like okay this didn't go well that doesn't mean i am a failure it means that specific event didn't go as planned but let me reassess (coughs) excuse me let me reassess the situation. Let me plan ahead. Now I have experience. Now I know what I did wrong. Now I know what I need to do. And I all I have to do is execute. That's it. And this brings me back to mindfulness. Just do what you need to do in every specific moment. And if you do it right every single step of the way, in every in every right here, right now, then eventually you cross the finish line and you live the life that you ultimately want to live. Yeah, I, I love what you said there, you know, pay attention to each moment. And I think in the power of now, which we, we which we both admire, um, yep. I think Eckhart Tolle says, you know, think of your life as a flashlight. And, you know, you only like, kind of like you, you were running in the dark um, in, in, the, in the Arctic. Um, yeah. Kind of think of your life as a flashlight and only pay attention to what's in front of you there. Just being completely present in the moment and just keep yep. doing that. And, you know, eventually you'll get to where, where you want to go. So I think that's really, really cool way of looking at it. Awesome. Yep. Absolutely. This is a sure thought. Yeah. That is, is absolutely powerful. I'm, I'm very curious about your training. So what does your training actually look like before the race um, in terms of nutrition, in terms of running? Um, how do you prepare for such extreme races? Right. Well, of course, you know, every race uh, requires a different approach because it depends, of course, whether it's hot or cold, if it's road, if it's trails, if it's high mountains, if it's deep sand is in the desert. So uh, the training, of course, adjust, you know, I adjust the training depending on the race mm-hmm. uh, technical, uh, technicality. 
but um, of course, you know, the main, the main ingredient is, is running a lot <laughs> and there's no substitute to hard work. So the idea to me is to condition both the body, but also the mind to sustain prolonged effort. So just feeling comfortable of being in being uncomfortable, if it makes sense. Yeah. Feeling comfortable being, being out there for long periods of time, uh, you know, understanding the different types of pains, understanding the fluctuations of pains, and uh, and ultimately just, again, practicing gratitude for being out there, you know. I love to do this, and I'm blessed to be able to be out outside running in the mountains for like five, six, seven, eight hours when I do long runs. Hey, that's it. It's like I'm, I'm going to I – I love to do this, and I can do it for a long time. Great. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's very much just like nurturing that, that – a concept of kind of, uh, yeah, patience, as we said before, but like kind of finding joy in what you're doing. You know, like you're going out there and you're playing. You know, you're doing mm. something that you love. You don't, you don't have to train. You got to train. So that's a completely different perspective. I don't have to do this. I got to do this. So the, it, it switches mm, completely yeah. the attitude. You know, it makes you enjoy it. Mm. You know, when you have to do something, you're like, oh, okay, I have to do this. I'll do it, but hey, it's it's work. No, let's see uh, see that as play. See that see everything that you're doing as, or whatever you're focusing on as something you get the opportunity to do. You're exploring yourself, you're growing, you're bettering yourself. So you're part of that positive process, and so that to me is already inspired in some way. And of course, you know, again, the 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 part of the training is is big mileage. Uh, usually. Um, for a race like Badwater, I got to to run about 260 to 300 kilometers a week. Uh, long runs that can range in between 50, 60, up to 80 plus kilometers. Uh, the last long run actually I did before Badwater was uh, 96 kilometers actually. So, you know, just went out there and spent about, you know, seven, eight plus hours just running, pushing and, uh, and understanding, understanding yourself, connecting with yourself. So it's, it's so many little things that come into play. And, and then of course, I think nutrition, as you mentioned, is, is a great, so of course, you know, the, the physical conditioning is, is the, is the first layer is the base. Mm -hmm. If you have a strong base, then you can build on top of it. Practicing mindfulness, so meditating, uh, yoga, all of these things. And then nutrition. Nutrition is a great part of it. Uh, of course, the everyday life nutrition, I'm, I'm pretty much uh, plant, I'm very much plant-based, about 98, 99% vegan. Mm -hmm. I do eat eggs every now and then. I do have salmon, very seldomly, especially before races. So I cannot say I'm fully vegan because, again, I... I take those uh, animal proteins, but um, I, 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 I'm very much plant-based. And I'll tell you why. Because often we focus on, um, we often, often focus nutrition on macronutrients, right? Carbs, protein, fats. But when it comes down to <clears throat> actually nourishing the body, actually recovering, actually uh, giving the cells the tools to, to thrive and be better, you know, create more ATP and all of these things, the idea is to eat a rainbow of colors, have a bunch of different things that truly give substance to the body. 
It's not about the gas that you put in the car, but it's about the quality of the of the stuff that you give to your to your system. So I'm talking about a, a myriad of uh, enzymes, uh, minerals, vitamins, antioxidants, all of these things that allow you to build a more resilient, stronger, and faster recovery for the body. Yeah. No. That's definitely a great approach. And then, of course, you know, a great deal of, of preparation goes into the tactics, mm -hmm. into planning ahead of what you're going to do. So uh, training, training, the nutrition, the hydration, what you're going to eat, uh, which electrolytes you're going to take, how much, how often, you know, even trying all these things in, tra in training in long runs to kind of get the system used to it. Because imagine running for 24 hours. Yeah, it's hard enough. But imagine having to eat basically for 24 hours straight. Imagine having to drink for 24 hours straight. Because it's basically like a concert. I, I do that every 20 minutes in a race. I eat something every 20 minutes. So you keep your energy levels up. You never let it go too up and down. You just try to keep it stable so you can perform freely without having to deal with those hyper and hypoglycemic things going up and down, you know, feeling like a million dollars a second and then crashing a minute later. So when you when you when you train, um how much calories do you consume per day? I'm just curious. Honestly, I never keep track you of never that. You never keep track, okay. I never keep track of that because I it feel it feels like I again I I nurture the body with what I feel it needs. Mm -hmm. So again, I have like huge salads. I have a lot of veggies. I have some fruit, but not too much because I try to cut all the sugars, mm -hmm. uh, even honey and all these things. I, of course, do not take, um, you know, regular sugars. Uh, and so mostly it's like a bunch of veggies, a bunch of salads, and then good proteins. They can come from, you know, veggies, broccoli, uh, mushrooms, uh, eggs, seldom eggs. Uh, seldom salmon stuff like that because he also has those my 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 approach is very much focused on optimizing the fat metabolism so what that, that what that does is allows you to burn a more sustainable and consistent release of energy you know to make this example you know when you when you eat mostly carbs so imagine you have a fire right here like uh, like a like a you know a stove that gives you the energy right a fire that burns inside us. Mm. When you eat just carbs, it's like throwing paper on fire. It makes a huge flame right away, but it dies out right after. When you optimize the fat metabolism, it's like putting a big log in there and you just let it burn for hours and hours and hours. And that's a great advantage. You know, when you're a runner, all you want is to have a strong, stable, consistent release of energy throughout. You don't need those spikes of energy and then debilitating lows follow when you hit the hypoglycemic index you know so that's 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 my approach that's my um that's what i've been practicing for a long period of time and i think that for endurance event is a great uh, i don't want to say secret because of course a lot of people are approaching that right now but it's definitely a great tool a great advantage and if you like like it, it's a very you know i don't want to get too deep into this because it's a very wide uh conversation we could stay here for hours but if you're interested even for for those listening to us today uh i would say check out tim noakes 
N-O-A-K-E-S, Tim Noakes. He's a South African nutritionist, dietitian, doctor. He's an exceptional, um, it's basically the forefront of this new approach. And it's very interesting. If you'd like to check out something more, he's also part of it. Uh, there's a there's a free documentary of YouTube on YouTube. It's called Carbo Loaded. That gives you an idea of what I'm talking about. If anyone is is interested to dig a little deeper into this conversation, absolutely. And for anyone listening, I'll link all these in the show notes so you'll be able to find it easily enough. And Great. you know what does your what does your typical day today look like? So when you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed, and uh, what does that look like on a typical on a typical week? Just to give some context, you know, to what. Uh, being a professional ultra running is like ultra runner is yeah. like yeah well usually um you know usually when i when i when i train um you know of course there's a period of there's a periodization so they're trained parts of the year when you're training harder picking for an event and of course there are other times where i rest more and i do less so let's say like in a good building period usually during the week i train at least twice a day mm-hmm. uh if not three times and like so uh, usually I go for at least two, at least a couple of hours in the morning um, where where I can run anywhere from 20 to 30 kilometers, depending on terrain and depending on, on whatever work I'm doing. Uh, then come back have uh, and usually I go out fasting. So I usually don't have breakfast. I just go out, run a couple of hours, come back, have a nice meal. Uh, and then try to, you know, of course, take care of stuff here. Maybe, maybe take a little nap if I can, if I have time. That's always ideal. And then uh, maybe early afternoon, um, I do a little core session in the house. This is like maybe three, two, three, four times a week. And then uh, in the evening, I go out for another hour, hour and a half, or two hours again. So roughly, I put in about three to five hours of of, of active training doing weekdays and then of course the weekends are the big days usually saturdays i go for my long runs and those again they can range anywhere from 35 30 35 up to 60 80 90 kilometers depending on the race depending on on which you know usually you grow gradually right so Mm -hmm. uh, and and progressively so the less long runs before a big event Usually those are the ones that you're going to put in the longest hours. But uh, again, you know, roughly we're talking about 25 to 30 hours, 30, 35 hours of training uh, during the week. Hmm. And this is just physical training. Then, of course, you know, then I can do some yoga, then maybe I can do some meditation. But that's that's just, you know, that's I don't I don't take that as part of the I don't count that in the hours of training. That's more like. That's good practice for the self that transcends the sport. I understand. Yeah. Well, I would love to talk about these things for literally hours, but we are <laughs> running short on time. So I'm just going to ask you, ask you some rapid fire questions and then we we'll just finish up. So Perfect. if there was a billboard and you could display any message on that billboard, uh, so the whole world can see this message on that billboard that you placed, um, what message would you put up on that billboard? We're all one. I like it. <laughs> and just as simple as that. That yeah. would that would solve a lot of problems. Yeah, I mean all the problems in the world, literally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I completely understand where you're coming from. I don't have the I don't <laughs> have the answers to all the world's problems, but I think that could be a great start coming to an understanding and 
and a higher consciousness and uh, and perhaps a higher awareness of, of who we are as a species and as a civilization as a, as a society as a whole and and also that transcends just the humanity but we are one we are one in, in this one blue dot in the middle of the milky way <laughs> yeah 100%. And what is the best investment you ever made? Now, this investment might be time, it might be energy, it might be money. Just in general, what's the best investment you think you ever made? Well, I, I would say in myself, investing in myself right from the beginning, you know, putting in the work, uh, having a, I think everything has to start with having a vision. You know, you have to have a goal and then you can, you can plan ahead and do what you need to do to get there. So I think the very first thing is having a having the vision and having something to work towards, and then investing. Yeah, the, the investing your time and energy and efforts, dedication, everything else in between, time into into your craft and just go for it. You know, I, I feel, you know, there's of course a lot of stuff that came up um, after Kobe's Kobe Bryant's death. And I very much relate to his mindset. Of course, I think a lot of a lot of athletes, a lot of people of let's say, you know, they're working on their crafts. They very much appreciated his work, his his approach, his his perspective. Perspective is, you know, work as hard as you can because you only have a short period of time where you can do that. And again, that kind of brings me back to gratitude because you know you gotta be grateful of being young and healthy enough to be able to do these things. Because you you know you might not have this tomorrow, so work as hard as you can today and go for it. And you know, never look back, never doubt yourself. Just go for it. Just work. Just no leave. <clears throat> leave no no stones unturned. Open up every possibility. Find everything, every little thing that you can. And and the amazing thing is, there's never. Ne- there's always more. There's always more to find. To find. There's always more. Uh, you can achieve. There's always more you can you can discover and, and grow into. So that's that's as fascinating as it is inspiring to me. Absolutely, yeah, love that answer. And just two more questions for you. So, what advice yeah. would you give to a college student who's about to graduate and enter the real world? Oof, that's a very tough question, especially through these tough times we're facing right now. Um, you know, it's. I, I think it's the main thing is, to me, it comes down to contribution. So kind of like, okay, you're getting out of college, explore your, your, your realm, explore your network, and not just the outside network, your network in your brain, your your desires, your what is that, what is that calling you? You don't need to do a job because it's, it's good on the status quo that you that you become a doctor or a lawyer. They do something that has meaning behind what you do. And you never work a day in your life because you switch the perspective again to not having to go to work, but getting to do something that is meaningful for yourself. And again, and, and then you connecting to contribution, you do something that is greater than yourself. So you contribute into the society at a higher level. So there's there's a different there's a different feeling behind it. You know, you're not just working to make money because of course, you know, once you reach a certain level of success, money will come. So you don't need to think about it. But it's about forging a path that represents you 
and it gives you meaning, it gives you purpose, it gives you fulfillment, and you do something, again, the ultimate goal in my idea, the ultimate uh, calling for us humans is contribution. So do something that makes this world a better place. Love that answer so, so much. Really, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Speaks to me. And the final question is, what is your definition of chasing passion? Yeah. It's 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 the topic. <laughs> it's a, the uh, it's the answer and the question uh, together. <laughs> um, I think it's uh, it, it, it brings everything that we spoke about together. You gotta follow your heart. Forget about the social schemes. Forget about the cultural layers and patterns and limits that we grew up into. But follow your passion, carve your path, and do what you love to do. Because again, you're not going to have to work another day in life if you do what you love. It's not work. You're just bettering yourself, and that gives you purpose. That gives you the strength to get up every morning, in my case, before dawn, to push your limits a little further, to grow a, a little more, to find out what you're actually capable of. So... It's a process. When you when you launch yourself into your passion, there are no limits to what you can achieve. Love it. Well, I think it's a good opportunity to finish up. But just before we do, um, where can people find you and follow your incredible journey? Um, well, definitely the, the main platform I use is Instagram. This is how we connected. Mm -hmm. uh, my my handle is Miki M I C K U I Graglia G R A G L I A. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty active. Although I gotta tell you the truth, in these days of, of struggle, I kind of decided to take a step back, and you know, um, I try to always share positivity and you know, inspire hopefully others to pursue their own path and you know, follow their passion. But uh, you know, as of right now, especially here in the United States, we are. Uh, going through some extremely challenging times, of course, not just about the virus, but about the, you know, uh, racism, social unsettlement that is going on. So, um, but I'll, I'll definitely be, I'll always be present. So hopefully we'll rise out of these, of these ashes and we'll create a better society for everybody. No distinctions. Yeah, and I'll just link all these in show notes for any listeners. And yeah, just before we finish up, is there anything else you'd like to say? Anything else you'd like to mention? Any final thoughts? Well, first of all, I just want to thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be out here. You know, um, I always love to share stories. I, I hope, again, I inspire someone to, you know, leave the beaten path and perhaps carve their own trail and, you know, discover themselves pursuing their passion and find out what what they're capable of so good luck to everyone and thank you for listening Mickey it was a pleasure thank you so much likewise thank you so thank much you. have a wonderful day ciao thank you so much for listening to the episode and I really hope you enjoyed it you can find all the show notes on the website chasingpassion.ie that is chasingpassion.ie if you're looking to support the podcast in any way I would really appreciate if you could leave a short review on Apple Podcast, and this would literally take about 60 seconds and it will help the podcast grow in so many ways. You can find the link to Apple Podcast in the episode description or just simply search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcast and it should pop right up. 
Thank you so much for listening to the episode. It means the world to me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, just thank you so much. And have a great day.